up, Sassanax. It's Chelsea back for another episode of the Sassanax Files. This week, I am discussing the extended version of 109, The Reckoning. But before we get to that, I want to take a moment to remind you that you can find the Sassanax Files on all sorts of listening platforms, including iTunes, CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, if you have not had a chance yet, make sure you head over to follow the Sassanax Files on both Facebook and Instagram to make sure you are up to date on all of the latest and greatest news concerning Outlander Season 7 and anything Diana Gabaldon cooks up. And with all of that out of the way, let's get into the extended version of 109 The Reckoning. Last week when we were discussing all of the deleted and extended scenes from season one, I purposefully omitted 109 because in the Blu-ray version, they put an extended version of this episode rather than allow us to see all of the deleted and extended scenes separately, which I was kind of perturbed about until I watched this extended episode and I really saw why. With this episode, a lot of the holes in it in the final cut suddenly makes so much more sense when you see it all put together as it was originally intended with the script. I noted last week whenever I was chatting about the extended and deleted scenes that it's kind of amazing how one particular scene or a few lines of dialogue can suddenly shift your entire perspective on an episode. And I really think that that's the case with The Reckoning. I love 109. It is probably one of my favorite episodes of the series. There's something really cool about getting Jamie's perspective on an episode because especially through seasons one and two, there's so much on Claire. It was kind of refreshing to see things from Jamie's point of view and get a whole other appreciation for life in the Highlands. The situation that he is in right now with not only where he is in his personal life, but also the tightrope that he's walking between his uncles while also trying to stay out of the public eye and stay away from Blackjack Randall. So he's got a lot going on. And I think seeing that at this point in the series was really beneficial as viewers because we don't really understand Jamie on a deep level at this point in the series. And I think that this episode is critical to your understanding of him moving forward. Now, there were a few choices that were made in the final cut of this episode that I do think were extremely important for the viewers. Some of those, and hold on to your seats, some of those choices were the voiceovers that they chose to insert in the final version because I actually found myself missing them. There were a few really poetic deep type voiceovers in the final cut that were not in the original extended version of this episode. One of the most notable of those being the beginning voiceover with Jamie talking about the choices that you have to make 
in your life and how each of those decisions actually ends up becoming your life. It's not necessarily a choice in any given direction. It's just you take a step forward and then another and then one day you look back and the sum of those choices is the life that you've lived. It's a very cool voiceover. It's one of my favorite of the series and it also draws a little bit of a parallel to 101 Sassanac, which I thought was clever considering the fact that this episode 109 was kind of the beginning of part two of season one. So for those of you that didn't watch season one live, the first eight episodes were aired and then they had a pretty significant break of a few months and then they came back with the second eight episodes. So we really see this as two completely separate parts and to kind of have the first eight episodes open up with Sassanac and the big long voiceover that Claire has there's a lot that's similar about the format versus Jamie's voice over here in The Reckoning. So I did kind of think on an artistic level, that was a really cool choice to make and I did miss it. But it was cool to see that that was a later decision having that voiceover. Now, with the way that this extended episode opens up, we are smacked in the face right away with Horrocks and how manipulative he is, how he's really out for the money, and he could care less whether he gives Jamie the information that Jamie needs to clear his name. I did understand why they shortened this scene the way that they did, because it didn't really give us anything additional that we couldn't glean from other moments in the season, especially when we get to the watch later on after Lollybrock and everything like that. We really get a pretty good grasp on his character without this bit here at the beginning of The Reckoning. So I was okay with that. However, there is a moment towards the end of this same scene where Willie shows up and tells Jamie that Claire's been taken, where, again, I understood why they cut it because the writing did seem a little bit clunky. Angus and Rupert are like, oh, I'm not doing anything today, so why not go for a wee raid on Fort William to rescue Claire, yada, yada. It seemed like filler dialogue, so I was okay with cutting that. The only thing that kind of was like, oh, that would have been beneficial to keep that was getting Ned's stance on what the repercussions are going to be to Clan McKenzie if they get caught. It's important no one gets killed in this particular raid or whatever you want to call it because that kind of increases the liability of the clan, I guess, if you want to call it. It's going to increase the repercussions that fall on the McKenzie clan if they're not successful and they end up killing a bunch of people. I would have been okay with all of this being cut if they had just kept the scene with Jamie explaining this to Rupert and Angus after they get to Fort William and Jamie is telling Rupert to guard the entrance because it's their only way out and they need to make sure that they have an exit strategy, but they're not supposed to kill anybody because Ned says so. You know, a little bit of expansion on this. We don't need to beat it home. We don't need to overindulge in this kind of information, but having a little bit of that information goes a long way, I think. One or the other would have been great to keep just to have a little bit of background information as to why they weren't allowed to kill anybody. Because then when we get up to the scene where Jamie breaks into Black Jack's office and says, I'll thank you to take your hands off my wife. And all of a sudden we realize that Jamie has an empty pistol 
what the hell was the point of that, you know? So I do think just for curiosity's sake, it would have been nice to have that information. Another thing that I thought was actually pretty beneficial when we're looking at getting into the mindset of Jamie as far as this episode is just a wee blip of a moment where... Jamie's walking across the ramparts and he sees the whipping post in the courtyard. And just for a second, he hesitates and it's a flashback to him being flogged. And then he kind of shakes it off when he hears Claire scream and he scurries on about his business. The reason that I was supportive of them keeping this scene in the episode was because Jamie suffers a lot of trauma in this show. I don't think that comes as a surprise statement to anybody. Like, I think that it actually would have made more sense to keep this in the show because the whole purpose of The Reckoning is to get us into Jamie's head a little bit. To make us understand our other protagonists, we have spent eight episodes in Claire's head understanding her motivations, understanding where she comes from. And this is really our first opportunity for us to understand Jamie. And part of understanding him is to see how much these things that happened to him years ago have impacted the person that he is. How much he's risking by interceding on Claire's behalf with Black Jack Randall. How much that costs him to rescue her and what that means for him moving forward, not only on a literal, political, and personal level, but also on a mental level. He is still very much dealing with that traumatic thing that happened to him at Fort William. I mean, the guy almost died. I was kind of sad that they cut that from the original episode because I feel like we kind of did need to see that and it makes sense to have it in there. Another thing that I kind of missed, not necessarily for this episode in general, but for the plot moving forward into the rest of this season, the first eight episodes are really about Black Jack Randall's pursuit of Claire. The back half of this season is really about Black Jack Randall's pursuit of of Jamie. And where that all changes is exactly where the season breaks in half. So it was all about Claire, 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 Claire. And then Jamie busts through the window and says, I'll thank you to take your hands off my wife. We go to black from both sides now. And then when we come back to 109, we start off with kind of that exact same time frame, but it's a pivotal moment. It's where Blackjack switches his pursuit from Claire to Jamie. One thing when we're talking about voiceovers that wasn't included in this episode that was included in the final cut, and I can 100% see why, and I wanted to point it out to you all, was Jamie pointing out the fact that while Blackjack was laying helpless, unconscious on the floor, Jamie wonders why he didn't just slit his throat. And he points to the fact that it never crossed his mind to kill a helpless man. But I really enjoyed that kind of personal narrative on it because when we look at the trajectory of the rest of the season and where we end up with the events of Wentworth Prison, having that kind of thrown in there where we begin to understand the voiceovers in this episode aren't Jamie's present voiceovers, much like Claire's voiceovers in Sassanac. They're not the thoughts of Jamie in the here and now. They're the thoughts of Jamie telling this story from 
a point beyond these events. I really did like that decision along with a lot of the other voiceovers that we got throughout the course of this episode when we see the final cut because I think that they really do help to enlighten the audience a little bit. Once we get away from the rescue and everything that happens there, we get to the scene by the river. This is a scene that is exactly the same in both the final cut and the extended cut. And I always take note of these scenes whenever you see them exactly the same way in the exact same placement, because that means that these scenes never changed in their importance throughout the course of filming, throughout the course of writing. These were the tentpole moments of the episode. And when you ask Kat and Sam about the pivotal moment or the really key cornerstone moments for Jamie and Claire, this scene is always in there. It's one of the most important scenes that they believe they have ever filmed regarding Jamie and Claire's relationship because so much happens in the development of their young marriage within these scenes. And by the river, whenever they scream at each other and then they kind of both break down and they realize, oh shit, I overstepped. I shouldn't have said what I said and I'm sorry. And them accepting each other's apologies. That really goes a long way in the development of this relatively new marriage and friendship. They haven't known each other for very long, only a couple of months at this point. You can really tell by the way that Jamie and Claire look at each other, particularly Jamie, when he breaks down and he says, I went to you at Fort William armed with nothing but an empty pistol in my bare hands. And he falls to the ground and is saying, you're tearing my guts out, Claire. It's that moment where you can point to it and say, this is the moment that both of them realize how much they care about the other person and how much it would destroy them to lose that person. You can point to it. This is the definitive moment when that occurs for both of them. And yeah, a lot of stuff happens in this episode that kind of makes you forget about the importance of this episode. But at the same time, I think that at the end, when they come back together with this passionate sex scene, it reaffirms what we see in that scene by the river. So while that is not anything different from the final cut, I wanted to make sure to mention it because it is really such a powerful moment. Another voiceover that is missing is after the events of the whipping and kind of how that all goes down, which I know I've spoken about it before, but honestly, I was kind of okay with them keeping the whipping as it was. I know that they tested it on several audiences for sensitivity reasons. They didn't want people to be upset by the content of domestic abuse, but you have to look at it outside of the presentism that's involved here, okay? 99% of people that are upset about this scene being included are the people that can't see outside of their 21st century lens. This is something that happened back in the 18th century, okay? Men were responsible for disciplining their wives. Jamie is a young man who is doing what he thinks is expected of him, and he's being pressured to do that by his uncle, by Angus and Rupert, by Myrta. He knows Claire isn't going to like it. I don't really think that Jamie 
wants to. He prefers to be the gentle, loving husband. He's head over heels for his wife. He doesn't want her to be angry or upset. And it's like he says, you know, if you'd hurt nobody but me, I wouldn't say any more about it. But it's because she needs to be held accountable for what she did to the other men by her actions that he decides to step up and dole out this punishment. And it's no more than what what would have happened to any man that would have done the exact same thing. You want to talk about equality? This is 100% equality. Any man would have been held accountable for his actions just as Claire was. So I don't really have a problem with it for that reason. Do I enjoy watching a man beat up on a woman? No. But at the same time, this isn't that kind of situation. This isn't a domestic abuse dispute, okay? This isn't Jamie being angry and walloping on Claire, giving her a black eye, breaking bones, etc. This is justice. And so when we get that voiceover in the final cut, justice done, problem solved. But if I hadn't been such a new husband, I never would have had such naive expectations. So this, again, is really getting us into Jamie's mindset of he doesn't see what the problem is here. He doesn't understand why Claire would be so upset with him. He realized that she comes from a much gentler environment where not listening and obeying orders wouldn't be a life or death situation. And so she doesn't understand why the repercussions are so severe for her actions. But again, at the same time, Jamie also doesn't know her motivations for wanting to leave in the first place. He doesn't know she's from the future. He doesn't know she's trying to get back to her husband. So again, this is very important to get this episode from Jamie's perspective, because I think if we didn't get this episode from Jamie's perspective, and we were seeing it from Claire's perspective, like we did in the books, it's a lot easier to judge him harshly for how he treated Claire. When we get back to Castle Leoc, Claire is cold shoulder, 100%. Again, Jamie doesn't really understand. And these voiceovers are an older, wiser Jamie narrating what happened in this time. He's like, yeah, I was really naive going into this. I had no clue what I was getting into with Claire. A woman who feels like she's been done wrong, watch out basically. And she is shutting him out completely. She doesn't want him in her bed. She doesn't want him anywhere near her. And she's making that abundantly clear. But one of my favorite aspects of this episode is seeing that argument state between Jamie and Claire, because we don't really get a lot of that in this series. It's very much a Jamie and Claire against the world type thing. One of them is in peril and the other is trying to save them, etc. We don't really see them at odds throughout this series. There are very few scenarios you can count them on one hand that they don't agree they're bickering or fighting with each other over one thing or another. And so I think especially for such a young marriage, it's important to see this aspect of them because it does go to show that it wasn't all sunshine and roses from the very beginning. They did fight. There were rough patches where they were learning to be a married couple, learning what marriage is, that it means sacrifice and compromise, which is basically what this entire episode is about, other than the fact that we're also seeing 
a broader aspect of what Jamie's life at Castle Leoc is like and his relationship with his uncles, which I think is really what we get when we get back to Castle Leoc in this extended version. I think the extended version gives us a much firmer grasp on what this episode is about because there are a lot of question marks in the final cut of this episode. And like I said, I think that The Reckoning is a fantastic episode. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a terrible episode. All of these editing choices were mistakes. No, I think it's a great episode. I just, as a viewer, especially in the first couple of watches that I have of this episode, I had a lot of questions. And I think watching the extended version of this episode, a lot of those questions were answered, but it also confuses me as to why that material was cut from the episode when it's so central to understanding Jamie's perspective, Colm's perspective, Dougal's perspective on all of this stuff. So that all starts with a few of the teeny tiny little cuts that were made during the wedding reception scene that Mrs. Fitz put together. Mrs. Fitz and old Alec are fawning over Jamie. By getting that relationship between those three characters, we understand what Jamie's support system is starting to look like throughout this life that he's built at Castle Leoc. But also, we get a firm juxtaposition when we see how cold Colm's reaction is to Jamie and Claire's marriage. It really puts that in stark contrast with one another so that we really understand why Jamie is so upset by Colm's reaction. He's always had a closer relationship with Colm than with Dougal. I don't think that he fully understood the repercussions. He knew, Murta told him as much, that if he married Claire, he could never be the chief of Clan Mackenzie. And that's exactly what Dougal wanted. Dougal was being very manipulative in choosing Jamie to marry Claire and disguising it as something else, as doing Claire a favor, doing Jamie a favor by putting them together, when in reality, he's really just looking out for himself. But I don't think as an audience, we really understood what that meant seeing it in the wedding episode because we don't really know these characters. We don't really know these motivations that they have. That's one thing that in this extended edition of The Reckoning, we really get an appreciation for. We are seeing Colm and Ned and Dougal, and Jamie, and how they all interact with each other, not to mention Myrta. We're getting these dynamics that we've only witnessed from the outside with Claire. And now, being in Jamie's perspective, we're the fly on the wall. We're inside the conversation, which I really actually enjoyed. And it's one of the things that I feel like we suffered a lot on the cutting room floor as an audience with all of these scenes that we didn't get to see in the final cut. One of these in particular is the scene between Myrta and Jamie, where they're talking about how fleeting happiness is. Jamie is distressed because of how Claire is behaving and he doesn't know how to fix it. That's one thing that is kind of his arc over the course of this episode, along with embracing his situation at Castle Leoc and how he's always going to be in the middle of his uncles and trying to develop that side of himself that is able to walk the tightrope. We see that throughout the remainder of the series, these initial skills that Jamie is learning on how to put himself between two sides 
and walk the line with such finesse. It's something that we come to expect of Jamie. And especially throughout season two in Paris, we get season four between Myrta and Governor Tryon. Season five, same situation. And then season six, as he walks the line between the American rebels and the British. Like I said, he's learning these skills right here in this episode, and I feel like we lost a lot of that information when we're looking at all of the deleted scenes and extended scenes from this episode, particularly when we look at the scene between Jamie and Colm. There are a few when we look at those. And one of the biggest question marks that I had for this episode without having seen the extended version was why on God's green earth is Jamie so inclined to give Colm advice? Because in the final cut of this episode, we see Colm chastising Jamie. We see them not getting along. And then all of a sudden at the end of the episode, Jamie goes to Colm and is like, well, maybe you should just give your brother the Jacobite gold back, save the clan, all of the tension, you know, there's not even a Jacobite army right now. What is it going to hurt? You can still decide whether you want to go to war if it becomes an issue, because right now it's just a what if. There's nothing going on. And Colm decides to take that advice. But why? Why does Colm decide to take that advice? We have seen nothing that alludes to the fact that Jamie is of enough of a position of power that he can give his uncle, the chief of the clan, this kind of advice. Well, when we rewind the whole thing, we see several different scenes that show the development of this relationship. We see the scene when Jamie and all of the men first get back from collecting the rents, where Colm is telling Jamie why he is so upset with Jamie's decision to marry Claire, that none in the clan are going to support him as Colin's successor because he married an English woman. This is the Highlands. She's a Sassanac. And while Jamie calls her a Sassanac as a term of endearment, it is not a term of endearment to anybody else in the Highlands, okay? It has a very negative connotation. A Sassanac is an outsider, an English person. Basically, the devil's spawn, okay? Nobody is going to support Jamie as the next chief of the clan Mackenzie with Claire on his arm. So, Colm's like, my brother can't be allowed to succeed me as the next chief, he will run this thing into the ground. Jamie agrees. Without coming out and stating that he agrees, he says, well, my uncle does have a fiery temper. And then Colin's like, you know what? I see we're on the same page. Don't even bother. (laughs) And then proceeds to say that Dougal's replacement is standing right in front of him and he can see that Jamie is the better option here. But Claire poses a hurdle. But this is the Highlands. This isn't England. It's a dangerous place. People die. And Jamie says, I'm hoping that you're not threatening my wife because, you know, I would be forced to do something about it, basically. Very menacingly, leans forward, gets in Colm's face and says, I would be forced to take that as a threat. And Colm just twitches his lips and looks up at Jamie and says, of course you would. That is exactly what a chief would do. 
Colum is so manipulative, and I feel like with all of these deleted scenes that we have of season one, we lost so much of Gary Lewis's performance. He did such a fantastic job of making us really understand Colum McKenzie on a completely different level from what we get in the final cut of all of these episodes. We don't understand how manipulative he is, how intelligent flat-out intelligent this man is. He would have to be to be crippled in the 18th century with a disease that he has no control over his body and still maintain control of the clan. How on earth do you manage that? Well, you have to be the person that Colin McKenzie is. So I kind of mourn the loss of that performance because we really don't have an appreciation for who Colum is and how he maintains control of the clan. But further to the point, to see that Jamie is developing into someone that is just as cunning, just as manipulative, and just as intelligent, it really is a strong loss. I mourn for that a little bit watching all of these deleted scenes. But back to kind of what I was trying to talk about several minutes ago was the scene between Jamie and Myrta where they're talking about how fleeting happiness is and Jamie's talking about his young marriage and Myrta is giving him advice on the subject. Again, we lose a great scene between Jamie and Myrta. We don't really understand that bond, which I think is critical moving forward. We do see the development of that bond a little bit in season two and at the end of season one, but it's not not something that we understand on a deep emotional level. We get that in this scene. Myrta is acting as Jamie's father, giving him advice about his marriage, about women. And there was a great quote from Myrta where he said, love is no simple matter. It's like trying to plan for every season from one moment to the next. Just when you're ready for the sun, the frost comes. So he's talking about the unpredictability of women, basically, which I find kind of offensive, but also is totally something that one man would say to another man. I really enjoyed getting to understand the relationship between Jamie and Myrta. It's a very open relationship where Jamie goes to Myrta for advice. And we also get a bit of Myrta's story and how he was in love with Jamie's mother before Ellen married Brian. But one thing that this story that Myrta tells enlightens us about that we don't really get and I think goes a long way towards showing how Jamie makes the leap from being set in his ways, this is how it's always been, stubborn Fraser mode, to the realization that we have from him at the end of this episode, where, you know, maybe for you and me, it has to go another way. This scene between Jamie and Myrta, I think, is the first step towards that end goal, where Myrta says, I'm a hard man, and Ellen knew it. Brian had a gentle side, and by the time Myrta realized that gentleness wasn't necessarily weakness, it was too late. Brian and Ellen had already eloped and began their life together. By Myrta saying, gentleness isn't weakness, that gets the gears turning in Jamie's head of, oh, well, maybe it's okay if I'm not this man that whips his wife to keep her in line. Maybe it's okay that Claire is allowed to have independence, that she's allowed to be my equal. So I think that it's critical to get that 
emotional side to show that it's not just Colum's compromise with Dougal that it was just a snap reaction. Like this is something that Jamie feels immense guilt over and he doesn't like that he feels guilty about it because he feels like it's his responsibility. But at the same time, when we get scenes like Galus confronting Jamie about if you ever touch her again, you know, and threatening him with bodily harm and she is the second person to pose a threat to him within a matter of an hour or two. That's saying something and Jamie is not okay with it. He's like, listen here, okay? I'm not gonna sit here and let you threaten me, you little woman. Mind your own damn business. But he also, at the same time, you can see it playing on his face that he already feels guilty about it. So knowing that Claire is going to her girlfriend about this and talking about how Jamie laid hands on her and yada yada, that matters in the grand scheme of things. Like that impacts Jamie on an emotional level. It's like a gut punch because not only is he beating up on himself, but now he has other people coming to him and beating up on him about his life decisions. So he's dealing with a lot in this episode, but I think that it says a lot about him that he can learn and grow. That's one thing that I love about Jamie as a character or Diana's characters in general is that they're not stagnant. They're never stuck. They're constantly learning and growing and moving forward forward and it shapes them into the characters that we see moving forward into books three, four, five, six, seven, you know? It's really cool. So the last couple of scenes that really impact what we see moving forward and how we understand the end of this episode is the tension between the Mackenzie clan members. For me, it always made sense that Rupert and Angus were upset with Willie, that he went to call him, gave him the gold, told him everything that he did because I understand where Willie's coming from. Like this is his chief and he gave him an order to keep an eye on these guys and report back. He did that and now he's paying the price for that with the rent party. I understand why Rupert and Angus were upset. They felt like they were being betrayed by somebody that they trusted. However, when we get to scenes between Colm and Jamie and everybody else where they're talking about how the clan could potentially explode into open warfare. And Myrta is saying, we need to get the hell out of here. This isn't our fight. Grab Claire and I'll get the horses and we'll be away from here this very night. You know, there's tons of references to things that are happening within the clan. All of these tensions that are quickly going to become a very big problem if Jamie doesn't find a way to quell the battle between the brothers because lines are being drawn in the sand. People are going to have to pick sides and it's going to get ugly because Jamie depends on the peace between Dougal and Colum to create this safe harbor of being at Castle Leuk and staying away from the British that are looking for him, that have a price on his head. If Castle Leuk and the Mackenzie clan are no longer a safe space for Jamie, where is he going to go? The only reason that Castle Leuk is a safe place right now is because Colum views Jamie as a potential successor and the power lies with Colum right now. If there is a shift of power and Dougal comes into the fold, then Dougal is going to view Jamie as a threat to his own power and going to dispose of him. So, 
they have to keep the peace between the brothers. And this is really, really important. But I feel like we lose that a little bit in translation with all of these scenes that are cut. We don't really see the infighting. We see that one scene where Angus and Rupert are beating up on Willie, but we don't get this other scene of random guys fighting with Rupert and Angus in the courtyard that Jamie breaks up, that Myrta helps break up. Without that scene, it's very easy to kind of see it as an isolated infighting incident where it was just a matter of Rupert and Angus feeling betrayed. When we see the bigger picture and we see that more people are fighting about this than just the rant party, that's the issue that Jamie goes to call him about and says, look... I have a suggestion here. It's not going to be something that you like, but I really think that you should try to make peace with Dougal because if you don't, the clan is going to split in two. Not everybody is loyal to you. You need to make the right decision here. You need to be careful with how you handle this because it could easily get out of hand. And this is where Jamie goes to Colm as an observer, as somebody that Jamie knows Colm appreciates his point of view because he knows that Jamie is intelligent and he can kind of see which buttons to push and when, what's going on within the clan. Jamie has a better sense of that because he's in it all the time. Colm is... A up in the castle, and he is present as the laird, as the chief, and he resolves disputes and kind of keeps his thumb on everything, but he doesn't quite understand at how much of a tilting point the clan is. It's an absolute tinderbox. So I think that we really missed a few of these key scenes here in understanding just how much tension is going on, how much of a precarious situation Jamie is in at this point in the story, and why his decisions are so pivotal moving forward. It's not just about him renewing his relationship with Claire and mending that fence, but also it's about him learning how important it is to mend fences and compromise on a bigger political level and on a personal level, that you need to bide your time and pick the right moment, pick your battles. The exact same thing is going on in his personal life with Claire, and so that is really the story that we're getting over the course of this episode. As the voiceover says in the final cut that they chose, the sum of those choices, every choice that you make is your life. That's what your life ends up becoming. To see that Jamie makes step after step after step moving forward in this direction that he chooses, it's definitely worth a watch to see this extended version because there's a lot that is missed in the Final Cut episode. Like I said, and I will continue to say, 109 as it stands, as you would see it on television, is still one of my favorite episodes of the series, but I do think that there was a lot cut from this episode and it really goes to strengthen your perspective on character motivations and why we are seeing what we are seeing from certain characters. Because when an actor approaches a scene, they take their approach to that scene from the entire script, from the entire tone of the episode. They build off of each scene. The end scene that we get between Jamie and Colm, where Jamie is offering advice, is based off of the two or three scenes that were cut previous to that. So there are things emotionally that we're not going to understand from those characters unless we see those other scenes that were originally intended to be there. So... 10 out of 10 recommended the extended episode, and I'm glad that I got a chance to talk to you guys about it today. I am off for the next week. I am taking a little trip. 
But make sure to join me on December 10th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the next edition of Droughtlander Book Club. We are going to be covering the first half of The Emerald Brooch by Katherine Lowry Logan. And then on December 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, we're going to be covering the second half of that book. I'm really excited to chat about The Emerald Brooch. It takes place in the 1940s, one of my favorite time periods, and I I really feel like Catherine does a beautiful job. Then after that, I'm off the next two weekends for Christmas and then New Year's. But then after that, come join me and Angela to celebrate the 100th episode of The Sassnack Files. We're going to be chatting about the time travel aspect of this show, all of our time travelers, the scientific theory behind it, all of Diana's little tidbits that she's offered us by way of explanation. Any Anything mythology related that we can discuss, we're going to break down in our episode called Through the Stones. So I really hope you'll check in. That will be January 7th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be a live on my private page, TSF Obsassinax, as will my two book club episodes within the next few weeks. So if you would like to join those live discussions, make sure you are a member of my private page, TSF Obsassinax. All you have to do is search it on Facebook, answer all three of the admission questions, and agree to follow the rules, and someone will approve your request shortly. With all of that out of the way, I'm going to sign off for the week. You guys stay safe out there, and I will chat at you later. Bye!